Hi, my name is Chloe and I'm eight years old. During the lockdown, I've been learning how to play the ukulele. I love it. Good on you, Chloe. Love that. I hope you're enjoying it. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart and welcome to the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast. So New Zealand, how are you finding level three? Tell us about it. We'd love to hear from you. Just send us your message using the RNZ Vox Pop app. It's free to download and it's easy to use. Later on, we've got Dr. Simon McCallum from Victoria University talking about privacy concerns that some of you might have around contact tracing apps. He also gives some great advice on the best way we can keep a contact tracing diary. But first, here are the headlines. There have been three new cases of COVID-19, two confirmed and one probable. Director General of Health Dr Ashley Bloomfield says there are no further details. Two of today's cases, and those are both the confirmed cases, can be traced to a known source. One is linked to the Marist cluster in Auckland and the other linked to the Gladys Mary Rest Home in Hawke's Bay. The probable case, which is from South Canterbury, is currently under investigation. Dr Bloomfield says that brings the total number of cases in New Zealand to 1,472. 82% of those cases have recovered. And the Health Minister, David Clark, is under the spotlight again, this time for moving house during the Alert Level 4 lockdown. Now, David Clark has already breached the Alert Level 4 lockdown rules twice. The first time was when he drove 20 kilometres to a beach to go for a walk with his family. The second time was when he went mountain biking on a trail. Now he says he'd done the bulk of moving house before the Level 4 lockdown and his new house is really just down the road from his old house. According to the government's COVID-19 website, people are only allowed to move house under extreme circumstances during Level 4 lockdown. David Clark says he hasn't breached the rules on this occasion. He says during lockdown he used his old house as his office and sometimes he brought the odd item or box back with him to his new house. Meanwhile, about a million Kiwis have been able to return to work under Level 3. The government says that's about 75% of the New Zealand economy back up and running. But the stress and financial problems for business owners are far from over. Michael Barnett is the Chief Executive of the Auckland Chamber of Commerce. He told the Epidemic Response Committee action is desperately needed on the issue of commercial leases. I have personally begged for government to intervene, not because all landlords are lacking understanding, but because some are. I have a business in Queenstown who has defaulted on his April rent. They cannot open and probably won't open until at least level two. Just one month into this pandemic and the landlord has had a big brand law firm hit them with a breach notice suggesting that the remedy for the default is to pay. But please note, interest will be applied at 14.5% and you can apply to the court for, for relief and you should get legal advice. Oh, and by the way, it costs $1,500 to prepare and send this notice which we will be passing on to you. Michael Barnett says the government should put a moratorium on lease cancellations and introduce a mandatory code of practice for commercial landlords. 
That call was echoed by Reg Hennessy, owner of Hennessy's Irish pub in Rotorua. If we look at Tutanakai Street in Rotorua, which you well know, I've spoken to at least six business owners who do not think they will be reopening after we come out of this. The whole thing is even if businesses go to the banks and borrow money, um, it's just another uh, another cost that's associated with the business. And when we do come out of this um, in, say, in June and July and August, we're going into the hardest months of the year for trade anyway. So the first month of the year, people are going to lack in a lot of confidence to come out to restaurants, bars and cafes again. So who knows what it will be like. In July and August, well, that's right in the middle of winter and it's generally a very quiet time in Rotorua as well. Then we go into September and October, November this year and we go in without any tourists. So, hey, it's, it's really, who knows. Michael Barney also called for more direct support of small businesses through things like rate relief, cash grants and zero interest loans. And he said while the government had worked well to support major industries like the meat processing and fruit picking industries, other businesses were suffering under heavily restrictive rules. I question why many more of our manufacturers could not have been operating, albeit at a reduced productivity. Retail is the same as we go into level three. We understand restrictions on malls, but most of our city's retail strips are as capable of managing half a dozen customers in at any one time or one in, one out, whatever the best is that works. But the Prime Minister says the restrictions are for an important reason. No one wants a second wave in New Zealand and we must guard against that. So we're moving cautiously down through the alert levels so that we don't have to go backwards. That would be terrible for New Zealanders' health, but also the economy. So it is about moving with certainty in the hope that we don't go backwards. The, the next point I would make in terms of um, why is it that some workplaces are going back and others are not. We have placed special requirements at alert level around things like retail or where you have uh, high degrees of contact with large numbers of people. Uh, in this room right now, we know everyone who is in this room. And in workplaces, uh, we are able to manage then who people are having contact with. Much harder in hospitality and retail, where you have larger numbers coming together and often in close contact. When asked about commercial rents and cash grants, Jacinda Ardern responded by saying that the government was continually looking at what they could do to help businesses. She didn't offer anything more than the schemes that have already been announced, but she did urge landlords to be lenient. In the best interests of not just the New Zealand economy or indeed small business, but those commercial landlords in this particular environment, uh, not coming to an arrangement that's workable for you and your tenant may end up, uh, you may find yourself uh, with a vacant property at a time that will be very, very difficult to lease. So here we just are encouraging that dialogue. For those who are looking for work, the government has a new online job platform to make it easier to connect with employers. It's called Keep New Zealand Working, and it also offers training courses for workers to upskill. The Minister of Social Development, Carmel Sepuloni, says 35 new employment centres are being set up across the country to help employers and job seekers. Now, if you've been a bit confused by what elimination of coronavirus means. Hopefully we can clear it up for you. On Monday, Dr Bloomfield spoke about achieving elimination of the disease in the country under level four lockdown, but 
elimination doesn't mean no new cases. It is not something that you can just say, done and dusted, we've got it, uh, we have eliminated. It's an ongoing effort. And I just want to refer back to Professor Sir David Skegg's definition, which I think is helpful, um, and it, it is our goal. A small number of cases, a knowledge of where those are coming from, and a, an ability to, and a posture to, identify cases early, stamp them out, and of course to maintain strict border restrictions so we're not importing new cases. That's, that's what underpins the elimination goal. And the country will continue with that for quite some time yet. The uh, development that every country is looking to is the development of a vaccine and or an effective treatment or treatments for COVID-19. Then we could look at what the, uh, the goal might be once we had effective treatments and or a vaccine. But in the meantime, uh, we, the, the goal of elimination will be uh, what will see us through as New Zealand to that point. Dr Bloomfield also laid out what health measures the Ministry of Health is looking at before it decides New Zealand can move down to level two the number of cases and, of course, the knowledge that where they're coming from. The other thing will be to maintain early testing of people who are symptomatic, and this, again, is a really important point for people who do have any respiratory symptoms, to seek advice early. And those, those include more severe symptoms like fever and cough, but also, um, uh, you know, sneezing and sore throat. And this particular symptom that's now become uh, quite uh, well documented of a loss of uh, smell or taste, um, which not only seems to be a, a symptom that people have when they might be developing the illness, but also can continue for some time. So if people have those symptoms, early testing is critical. And then supplementing that with our ongoing wider testing in as part of our surveillance, including of critical workforces like uh, essential workers in healthcare settings and in non-healthcare settings. Contact tracing is a major part of the New Zealand response to COVID-19. And as our movement increases under Level 3, we're being asked to keep a diary of where we've been and who we've met. So to help with that, a New Zealand contact tracing app is being developed and should be available within the next two weeks. Well, the National Party has criticised the delay, especially with the Australian government having released their tracing app this past Sunday, and within hours, more than a million Australians had downloaded it. But the Prime Minister says she's sceptical about how effective an app will be because it requires a high uptake. She said the government has largely been focusing on its in-person contact tracing. Well, Dr Simon McCallum is a senior lecturer at Victoria University and he's been teaching mobile development for eight years. He developed an app to help people report crime as part of a five-year European Union project in community policing. And he says there are similarities between that and a contact tracing app. This was part of a, a big EU um, plan to try and fight crime and terror, which were the issues um, in the sort of late 2010s. Community policing, so having the um, police part of community was really important. And they wanted to connect with people using mobile phones. So we were part of a, a large project um, across multiple European countries to try and focus on how can people connect with the police when they're in trouble. And so this comes across in, in some of the same ways we see here, where it is individual citizens having to kind of report their location or report the people they've interacted with and give that information to an authority. So about half of our project was lawyers because of the different privacy regulations and the different ways that 
this acts in different European states. Now, I think in New Zealand, we have an advantage that we have just like a single governing entity, but a lot of the same issues around engagement and making sure people use the app and making sure that, that people feel safe to share their data are the same kind of critical issues we have with contact tracing app that we're going to introduce. So now that we're in level three, there are people in service roles who are likely to come into contact with a range of businesses and households. So keeping a diary will be key. And that's something that the Prime Minister has advised everyone to do, keep a diary. What's one of your recommendations for how to do this effectively? If you've got an Android phone or an, um, an iPhone, you go into Google Maps and you turn on uh, location information and you then have your Google timeline. So if you look in the Google Maps, the wee, the wee hamburger menu, the three bars, you can pop that down into the timeline, and that shows you if you've got location services turned on and are sharing that with Google, it shows you where you've been over the last few um, days, weeks, months, years. I used that a lot myself when I was in Europe because on a visa, I had to record two years of every time I left Norway. And I couldn't remember wow. every trip I left. If you don't mind sharing, you can do that. And that works both in Android and iOS. And you are sharing information, but you're sharing it with, with Google. And a lot of what you do is already shared with Google. So there are privacy issues, but that's not a massive issue. If you do have concerns, another way you can do this is, is using OpenStreetMaps. Turn on your plugin, which is a wee plugin that turns on um, tracking and it will track your locations and save them just on your phone and so that you can then choose to review that or share it with other people if you choose to so google is the easiest one OpenStreetMaps is the open free and more private version but a little bit more complex to use so if we are keeping a diary as well and looking at and tracing back who we've been in contact with what should we be noting down and why what's really important is one knowing where you were but also knowing who you were spending time with. And this is going to be the challenging thing for a lot of people. So, yes, you should be recording everybody that you spend more than a few minutes within a few metres of. And if you can, avoid casual contact with people you don't know because you, it's hard to note down the contact details of a person you've just passed in the street. So the idea is that you should try and avoid any of those contacts and record the contact details for people who you have spent time with, you should write it down because that's always going to be a, a safer option than just hoping that your phone records it. If we do get a contact tracing app, it's really important to all work on the same app and we need to use that to protect our own families. Why you download that contact tracing app on your own phone is that if somebody that you bump into is infected, you get notified before you're infectious, which means that you do not spread it to your own family and you can isolate within your bubble and you can protect your children and your friends and your parents. So if you're managing other people and trying to keep a record of their contact tracing as well, what are some of the challenges here? One of the, the biggest ones will be going on the bus and someone behind you sneezes. And the answer is, well, yeah, you don't know who they are. They don't know who you are. And that's why they're trying to find this, an app or to supplement that. As we move into level three and then potentially hopefully level two, it's so easy to forget to note something down. And then 20 minutes later, you've forgotten it. It is going to be time consuming. What we need to recognize is that, that we need to do this kind of at the... If I'm asked 
can I retrieve this information? You record it all, and when asked, you can go and get it, right? Because the contract tracing that will be done, they will need to know that information, but you don't need to constantly be kind of looking back over it. If you're a manager and you've got workers, yes, you need to make sure that on your site that you are recording who's interacting, but it is their responsibility to record their extended bubble because our numbers are low enough that we do not expect many people to come up with positive. The goal is to have the information available so that if somebody in your extended circle comes up, we can quickly track everybody and make sure we isolate those cases. Making it easier for yourself in terms of keeping a diary of your trace, contact tracing, minimising casual contact would help all of that. Yeah, if you can minimise casual contact, I mean, certainly going to a bar and standing next to someone at a bar, that's a casual contact. So it's actually going to be okay if you know everybody you interact with. And that's why they're not as concerned about schools going back. They know every child that's supposed to be in that class. And from a personal point of view, you've used Google Latitude tracking. Would you recommend this? And what were some of the pros and cons? One of the pros that happened just before lockdown, I was out walking with my father. We had a, an, an issue around a crime being committed. And when we reported it, it was much easier to go back through and know exactly where we were and exactly what time things happened because I had my location tracking on. I've used Latitude for, for many years. In terms of, of sharing information, many of us have downloaded various games and apps without really thinking about the privacy issues. So we are often sharing a lot of information with things like Apple and Google anyway. So the change in your level of privacy is not high. Being able to go back and remember where I was and what I was doing and remember the trips that I'd taken and having that all in the timeline makes it much easier to kind of dip back into your past what can you tell us about the apps Life360 and also Glimpse? Who would see the most benefit from using these apps? A couple of, of apps where um, sharing your information with your close friends and relatives is actually can be quite useful. So there are certainly concerns that people have around, you know, where is so-and-so and, you know, if we're going to try and meet in town, which shop you're at, and, and making sure that, you know, when your kids come home, you could say, okay, um, if you're out working and you've got a, a teenager who's at home and you just want to make sure that they've got home safely, sometimes it's okay to have a, a geofence thing. So there are various apps out there that allow families to connect and share their locations. My father, who is in his 70s, he's a bit worried at the moment because he still goes for his walk, but he's a bit worried that, you know, what if something happens? And so he wants to share his location with me in case anything happens I can then look up, oh, he's at the park or he's he's out on one of his other walks. And so that's what Life360 and Glimpse are both about kind of sharing your location with your close family. One of the challenges here is that, yes, you might be including a third-party commercial entity in that sharing. However, if you feel that knowing each other's location is critical to you, then yes, there are apps like Life360 that allow you to do that sharing. For some people, that's terrifying. And I, I completely understand that. That's where they might want to use something like OpenStreetMaps and record it just on their phone and only share it when they choose to share it. And with Google, you can turn on your sharing and turn it off and you can, you know, turn it on for an hour. So you're going into the pub and you say, hey, meet me in town. And you just share your location with a particular person for a short length of time. But there are a lot of people that may feel a bit nervous about using a contact tracing app, especially around privacy issues. What's your advice there? 
what we've seen in, in Singapore and what we've seen in, in Australia with um, COVID safe and what it appears that our government is going to be doing is that they'll be building on a Bluetooth tracing app. The one in Singapore, I've read through the source code and I've been looking at the reviews and I see that they've unpacked the Australian one. It is privacy preserving. It really does put privacy very high on the functionality list. It actually would be relatively difficult to extract anything about where you were and what you were doing out of that app. The only thing it generally records is a random number that someone else's phone generated in the 15 minutes that you were together. And the only group that knows that number is the government. Certainly the, the main issue here is your trust in government. Now, luckily in New Zealand, we have a reasonably transparent and open government. We've got enough researchers, um, myself, and we've got several people at Victoria University and at Otago and at Auckland who are scrutinising and analysing what's going on with these apps. Any app that comes out from the government will have heavy scrutiny. And so I think it will actually be potentially the safest time to use an app because so many people will be looking at it. After 9-11, probably the safest time to, f to fly was in the few weeks after 9-11 because everybody was on high alert. And at the moment, all the academics are thinking about this and looking at that app and making sure that it doesn't leak information and, and giving feedback. That was Dr Simon McCallum talking about using contact tracing apps. Now that's all for this episode. We hope you're enjoying Level 3. Don't forget we need to be more vigilant now as more people go back to work and the risk of spreading COVID-19 increases. So stay home wherever possible, be kind. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Kia homaru, kia kaha. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang and Sonia Sly. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. Thank you.